Hey, what's going on? Welcome inside the TCO Studios for episode number 11 of the Audible presented by Verizon with Verizon 5G built right for the Vikings. Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber. Episode 11 of the Audible. It's been 11 weeks and it's crazy that we're still here and they're still uh, giving us an opportunity to, to do this show for some reason. I know. I, I'm just waiting for them to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not fired this week. Well, that's good. And that's I think uh, a reason for that is because we got a big win on Sunday in L.A. against your former team, the Chargers. They were San Diego when you played, but 27-20 yeah. to 20 against a Justin Herbert-led team that was going into the game. Hey, this is a high-powered offense. They can score on any given play. They take a lot of shots. They got a lot of explosive plays. We mitigated that by blitzing, scheming up this defense. Mm -hmm. Mike Zimmer, big kudos to him for scheming mm -hmm. up Justin Herbert. We saw uh, Deion Sanders call him earlier in the week, and uh, a lot of people aren't talking about it, but Deion Sanders said, good game last week. I know you weren't going to let some young coach come in here and beat you. And I was like, <laughs> that's a I didn't good... hear that either. Yeah, it, it, he said it, and I was just like, like, man, nobody's paying attention to yeah. what he just said. But, I mean, Mike Zimmer, hell of a coach. Hell of a defensive mind, and he had a great scheme for this L.A. Chargers team on Sunday. A lot of people around the league were just like, the Vikings don't have a chance against the Chargers. And um, they went in there and they took care of business, man. And we can talk about the defense, the blitz package, the disguise package, guys just stepping up and having great days like, like Kendricks. Uh, and Bynum, once again, having a great day. Offensively, you know, <laughs> Dalvin did enough. Justin Jefferson had a great game. Kirk was throwing the, the ball as, as well as I've seen him throw in a, in a while. But the special teams. Yeah. Special teams had two huge returns. And, and I think that overall, that's a phase of the, of the game that, that we just don't give Ryan Ficken and his group credit for. Our gunners on punt team are playing outstanding football. Like they, I don't see those guys ever getting consistently blocked, both of them. There's one of those guys is always winning and they're always getting down there and affecting the return. So um, he's got those guys playing super, super hard. We had Eric Kendricks on the show last week. He had another amazing game in his Monster hometown. Monster game. Monster game. 26 tackles in the past two games. Uh, the only linebacker right now with four sacks and two interceptions. The guy's playing lights out. And then you move to the offensive side of the ball, Justin Jefferson. Nine catches, 143 yards. JJ had an amazing game. And then our other guest for tonight. So we'll have JJ on tonight for Vikings fans who are wondering who's going to be on the show. But we'll also have the other guy from the other phase of the ball who is also a receiver D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. How, how excited are you to talk to those two guys? Well, I'm super excited it's because it sounds like they, they obviously have a great relationship. Yeah. And, um, you know, D.D. being around the league a little bit longer and, and him having familiarity with their wide receiver coach, uh, Keenan McCardle. Yeah, I'm excited to, to hear what he has to say, especially since, you know, I mentioned the special teams part of it. And he's a big part of it. Um, special teams has been huge the past couple of weeks. A kick return by Kane Wangu. Uh, Greg Joseph has been automatic in field goals, both with both field goals and extra points. Now you got D.D. Westbrook, who's getting some confidence as a punt returner. Um, that all bodes well going into this upcoming Sunday's game. Border battle number 122 yeah. against the Green Bay Packers. I, I know you have played in this game so many times. I was doing some research, and your second-to-last career sack was against Aaron Rodgers back in 2009. Mm. And I know he has progressed so much further since then, but do you remember that play when you sacked him? And could you talk about just how have you seen him progress from then until arguably the, the greatest quarterback that's ever played? 
I pride myself on like being a cerebral linebacker and kind of like knowing what I was supposed to do on that particular play. I completely brain farted (laughs) (laughs) and, and it was, it was sort of this, this boot action out to the offensive left. And, um, in that moment I'm like, Oh crap. And I just blitzed. And so, (laughs) so, you know, when you look at the TV copy and it's, you know, that's, it's a, it's a reduced frame. It just looks like I'm blitzing, Mm. but when you when you widen out and you're watching like the game copy and we're watching it you know on Monday yeah. you know my coach is like what are you doing but add a boy like yeah. what you got a sack yes you're gonna get credit for that but like what were you thinking I'm like right. I just I brain farted just reacted I just reacted so it's like a, no 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like that yeah. kind of moment it's like what are you doing oh, like because you because you see the guy coming across the field like that's my guy I'm supposed to spin and take him and and, and take him uh, across the field and be underneath that that uh-huh. route. There's nobody there. <laughs> so, there's nobody there, and thankfully, I made a quick enough decision to, to affect his vision and and get to the quarterback. But you know, Rogers himself. I mean, just this like already confident guy become you know more like uber confident mm-hmm. in what he's doing, and you know, not afraid to keep taking risks. And and his ball placement, I think, is as good as it's ever been. And you know, he can make so many off-platform throws. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that he can be anywhere on the field, off a back foot, rolling out to his left, his right, a guy in, in his face, taking a hit, he can make every throw, man. He's a super dangerous quarterback. Now that we're starting to see how this offense is going to play out, and we saw Justin Jefferson have a big game, and us be intentional with giving him the ball, do you think that's the identity of our offense going forward, is running through J.J. opposed to Dalvin Cook or – is it still a balance? Well, obviously, it's still going to be a balance. And, you know, a balanced offense is never 50-50. So a balanced offense, you know, can look 60-40. Um, but it's about when you use those percentages. And mm. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think that we came out last game and it was a little too obvious we were trying to force the ball mm-hmm. to J.J. We went, we went away from it a little bit and then we came back to it. Um, and that's when I think we did the most damage. So I think it's a little bit of sleight of hand. I think that we're... Yes, we need to keep J.J. involved, but I don't think we can be as obvious, especially with the this, this safety duo for the Packers that are really, really, really good, and they have great eyes, and they can trigger on the ball uh, really, really well. Their corners are playing exceptional. So we're going to have to do a little bit of window dressing, a little bit of sleight of hand, and, and I think this is a game where, and you mentioned it, Dalvin historically the last few years has, has had great success running the football. Mm-hmm. Def, different defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin is out. So we don't know how our schemes are going to look against that defense, yeah. but you got to try. Yeah. You have to try. When you got a guy like Dalvin Cook, um, you have to try to establish the run game. And then hopefully that just kind of messes with their safeties and messes with their, their deep drops by their second-level defenders, and then we can get the pass game going. Well, I know one person who would love to get the pass game going. His name's Justin Jefferson, and his friend Didi Westbrook is joining the show right after the break. Stay tuned for our guests of the week, Justin Jefferson and D.D. Westbrook on the Audible presented by Verizon. Yo, what's going on? Welcome back inside the TCO studios for another edition of the Audible. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber. We got our guys here, Justin Jefferson and newcomer on the show. Hey, <laughs> hey, gang up in here. D.D. <laughs> Westbrook. How y'all doing, man? I'm doing all right. Doing good. So I was telling y'all before we start this segment off with a trivia question. So this first one is for D.D. about J.J. And the question is, how many touchdowns, you know, this show gets a little messy. 
So I'm gonna just let you know from from the jump. I can use Google. No, 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 no you cannot phone no Google. There are no shout outs. How? No shout outs in anything. How many touchdowns did Justin Jefferson have against Oklahoma, your alma mater, in the 2019 college you know football that. playoff semifinal? You know about game? that because I tell you about every day. This just got like super personal. <laughs> <laughs> like, why we got to do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have a warm up. Let's, <laughs> Let's see. It's only going to go up from here. Exactly. It's got to yeah, be. We start three? down. We start down here. Mm-mm. You, I tell you about this every day. I know y'all won like 63 to something, right? Wasn't the score like 63 to 10 or something, something like that? that. It was something. We ain't yeah. gonna talk about the score. I'm trying to do the math. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> How many times? I had all of my touchdowns in the first half. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do multiple I'll choice. say it's more than one. Yeah. But less than 10. <laughs> so we'll go eight. <laughs> four. You had to have four then. Yeah. Four? Four. It was four. Four in the first half? And then what happened? All right. We just didn't really hit me on. Touchdowns. Oh, they, you. We got to do better. They benched him because the game was over, basically. Okay, that's I said rude. The, I set the record one. for the uh, receptions that game. I had like 14. I was eating that game. You said that's oh, rude? We got to do better, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do better. Given that I'm a K-State alum and we're known for defense, oh, it does wow. not surprise me that the Oklahoma defense gave up that many touchdowns to you in the first half. <laughs> but we never mind. <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> Uh, what award was D.D. a finalist for in his last year in college? Oh, that's easy. 2016. No. Don't Uh-oh. tell him. Don't tell him. You know this, bro. He tells you every day. <laughs> it wasn't Heisman. It wasn't no Heisman. <laughs> Boy, you better stop playing. <laughs> so for our radio audience that can't see D.D., he is doing the Heisman. He's doing the Heisman on both sides. Uh, <laughs> He did yeah, I know that. He did finish. I didn't know you was the finalist, yeah. though. I finished fourth? Yeah. Finished fourth, fourth yeah. Behind uh, Lamar, Deshaun, That's the year Lamar won. That's loud. Yeah, so it was Lamar, Deshaun, Baker, Baker me, yeah. then Jabril Peppers. 1,500 receiving yards in college, 17 touchdowns your senior year, where your last year in college. That's crazy. Yeah. Won none against <laughs> LSU, though. <laughs> I probably hey, won the score. You know what happened when a big yeah. <laughs> We beat Auburn, though. (laughs) (laughs) You'll take that one. We'll take that. Man, D.D., not a lot of people know much about you, though. I know you, we know, well, a lot of people inside the Vikings organization know you are the locker room speaker box. Like, a lot of people say you always. (laughs) How y'all know that? (laughs) Everybody knows that. (laughs) I mean, you That one's supposed to get to y'all. If you rewind back to our last episode, J.J. described the receiver room, and, like, when it got to you, we all bust out laughing. <laughs> but outside of, I know, you know, you're from Texas, but like, what are some things that you enjoy? Or like, what are some things that people should know about you? Uh, I love cars. Um, I have 10 horses. So uh, like during the off season, I break horses. I got to get like wild horses and I got like a round pen. I got like 50 acres back in Texas. Wow. And so, yeah, I put the horses out there and lunge them around in a round pen. Then I just jump on them and ride them. And whatever happens from there happens. <laughs> Horses? Yeah. Are you a fan of Yellowstone, the show? Nah, somebody, who was telling me about that? Uh, I think Dr. Josh was telling me about the Yellowstone show. You got to check it out. If you're, if you're into that sort of stuff, I mean, there's a lot of other crazy stuff that happens in the show, but there's a lot of like, it's very horse-centric. I'll put it that way. You'd probably See, uh, I watch a lot of Clint Anderson videos. I'm not sure if you guys know him, mm-hmm. but Clint Anderson, he's like, uh, I think he's from like uh, Australia or somewhere, but he break horses and so I get on YouTube and watch some of his 30 minute segments and 
and go out there and break voices. So the Vikings are okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really don't think so. I really don't think what, so. What got you into it, though? Because, I, I mean, um, somebody owning 10 horses? Like, I'm a big boxing fan, and Errol Spence, who's from Texas, owns two. So I know it's big in Texas, but outside of that, like, why horses? Uh, we have, like, these huge trail rides. Okay. And so at these trail rides, like, different towns, different small towns, they have a... Uh, different trail ride events. And so you get your horses, your trailers, like your four-wheelers, uh, razors, like side-by-sides, whatever you got. And you kind of just go out there and there's like a parade party type thing and you just ride horses and everybody just have fun. So that's how you first got involved? Right. Or that's kind of what happens? Right, now? that's, that's kind of what happens, yeah. yeah. Have you heard of anything like more country than that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I know D. White, D. White, you know, yeah, got his little own little, you know, couple horses. Yeah. I seen him on his horses. See, but like, my thing with horses mm. is just like riding them, that's the easy part. You okay. know what I mean? After I break the horse, like you can ride it. Like anybody can ride a horse that's broken. So it's not really a challenge. You know what I'm saying? Because the horse is going to do what it's told. Mm. But then you get a wild horse that can't nobody break, and then you break it, then it makes it seem like you accomplished something. You mm. know what I mean? Because the first day you get it, that horse is bucking all crazy, mm. being disrespectful, you know, trying to bite you, do all these different things. And then you calm that horse down so that your daughter can ride it. That that makes it a lot more. Fun. So who taught you how to do that? Because that's a skill to to. Clint to, Anderson. Just <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. Just Clint watching Anderson. YouTube. Yeah. Nobody like you weren't like hands on with somebody and said like this is how you like no. approach them. This is how you read them. So where where I'm from is not really. It's just pretty much you do it. You know what I mean? Like for example, four wheeler. Like learning how to drive a stick shift car. Like nobody was like, okay, this is what you do. You know what I mean? You get in that car and you just go. And you just grind. And you yours. learn. Yeah. You learn on your own. <laughs> Destroy the manual. Yeah, you just, you just burn the clutch out and grind the gears. You know when it's going, you need to switch gears. <laughs> JJ, is, is there anything like that, like back home that you do that is just Louisiana that you wouldn't do in the off season or they wouldn't do in the regular season? I know. What is it? They got that hot sauce out there, boy. That hot sauce is hot. Louisiana mean, hot sauce. But the one at like Popeyes? That. Man, that hot sauce is hot. It's oh, got to slap your mama? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really be doing nothing like that. Uh, I mean, he country. Yeah. I'm not that country, so. You need to pick up like a man hobby. That's, like a, man, that's a man hobby like right there. Like what, though? I don't know. Work on cars or something. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a cars car. person. Like him car. and Pat, the cars person. Do you have I mean, a, a natural wood burning fireplace? No. I can't see. I can't Flip the build. Switch. Yeah, I can't build. For <laughs> all, I was gonna, all I was going to say, like, maybe, maybe in the off season, this would just do like a Rocky Four workout where you just like you just splitting wood. I, I go out there and just split wood with my axe. See, that's boring. Where am I gonna get the wood from? I you don't can go know. to uh, you're saying uh, you're Menards. Like, go to your country. Like, go. I can't. Go like, I can't. There's like some that type of stuff. I can't trees. do. <laughs> I can't do that. All right, but okay. Like, so you sit on top and, of a crazy horse, though. Yeah, but that's, that's like crazy. anybody can do that. No, because you can get thrown off and stepped on. Right, but that's then a, you get back. That's a two thousand pound animal. Right, but that's, you get back on mad. and do it all over again. What makes you comfortable enough to like try to break it, like without even like your first time breaking a horse? Like, what made you comfortable enough to actually try to do it, even though they be like wild biting people? YouTube. Just, no, no, but it's, it's just a fact, like, because it, it's just like the like being competitive. You know what I mean? Like, just think if y'all three tried to break this horse and none of y'all can do it, right? And then I'm like, I'm gonna do it just because they can't do it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or just because they tried and they failed. And so you sit out there and you try, you try, you try until you get it. So it's like one of them same situations. That's a horse, though. Right. 
ain't like, like, it's, it's, ain't like it's, running around. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's just dope, man, because it's like you have that connection with that horse, too, after you break it. Mm. You know what I mean? So you like, like you know, kind of run it into the dirt, you know what I'm saying, to let you know, like let the horse know who in charge. And then afterwards, it's like the horse respects you forever. Mm. You know what I mean? Then it's like your buddy. Like it comes to you whenever you come out there. It pretty much do everything. It's like a pet. Yeah. Just like a dog. So do you have a favorite? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I do. What's, what's your uh, horse? His name is Phantom. Phantom. Okay. Yeah, he's an albino. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, his eyes kind of glow in the dark. He's kind of scary. Anything that translates from that to playing football? Being fearless. Mm. Uh, like, often people ask, like, how are you able to stand back down on punt return? Like, because that's a, like, one of the hardest things to do. Like, you're looking up in the air and you got all these people running at you full speed and you got to find the ball, catch the ball, and then see where to go. And that's kind of where that mentality comes from. Mm. It's like, I feel like if you can get on a horse and ride, you know, ride a horse, then hell, you can stand back there and catch punts when guys running 20 mile an hour at you. College NFL, what's the hardest hit you've taken? And who was it, do you remember? What's his name? The safety from West Virginia, Carl Joseph. Yeah, oh, for the Raiders, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I think yeah. he put, yeah. Double move on the sideline, and he was in middle field safety back at West Virginia. Baker threw it, he kind of hung it inside, and so I was going to catch it as soon as I touched the ball. He, wow, like he smacked me pretty good. And so, you know, when you try to stand up really quick, but oh, yes. you shouldn't. Yeah. So I tried to stand up real quick to let everybody Pride. know I was okay and like, like started rocking backwards. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't control my legs. <laughs> but that was probably the hardest I've been hit. What about you, JJ? Don't really know, huh? Nah. Not last uh, week. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, but I never really got like hit like that. But uh, I mean, that was sometimes like I got hit and you know how your eyes just be like, yeah, yeah. you know, going everywhere. But that's about it. I never really got. Like hit to where I was like, man, he laid a lick on me. Yeah, yeah. I know Louisiana and Texas, really big football states. I'll throw Florida in there too. But you being from Louisiana, you being from Texas, can we settle this debate right here? Who has the better athletes? I, I honestly think uh, Louisiana has the better athletes. Okay. Well, football honest. players. Yeah. Okay. Football players. I think, I mean, of course, they have they have way more opportunity. I mean, there's so many more people that go through Texas than in Louisiana. I understand that. But still, then again, you also got to think about the people that's from Louisiana and their production in the NFL and just how we are and stand out in the NFL today. Didi, I feel like you disagree. Rebuttal. With uh, yes, I disagree. First off, the <laughs> state is huge right which means there would be more athletes in that state and then not only that you got to think it's like a hundred maybe guys from texas who raw <laughs> like who i can't name them in so many <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of guys you know what i'm saying like I, I, it's just it's just a hard argument now if you were saying somewhere like california mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying then yeah because the state like the state size you know what i mean but Texas, I don't know. It's just different. They man. don't have they something don't have, in the water you, out there. You guys, they don't do all-star games between the two teams, the no, two states, do so. they? I don't they think need so. to settle that score. They need yeah. to have like the all-star team from Texas, an all-star team from Louisiana high school, and they play one game. But who? Wait, who's y'all best? Like high school, right? So it's just like growing up. It's like that school is the best school. You know For what me. I mean? Like where would you want to go if you can go somewhere in Louisiana? Like who's with, like dominates the state? Who win the state championship every year? I mean, we was one of the, uh, Destron was one of the, but I mean, they had like private schools that right. so that we never bunch. played against. See, because you know I think mean? ours may be Allen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah like Allen. Colin Murray yeah. was in school. Yeah. I think he went like 42 and 0. Never lost a game. Never lost a game in high school. And I in think Texas, they were like the top dog. Yes, I'm saying. Right. 
See how you put emphasis on that? Because <laughs> well, it's big. It's different now. Because it's big. There's so it's many different out there. My, so brother, my brother lives 10 minutes from Allen High School. So he goes to every game now. And he just says, like, how crazy it is, how the athletes are out there. Man, they bro, stay. It's a college. They bro, stay. Yeah, I was going to say, the stadium, stadium is like insane. Come on, bro. Their stadium is insane. Well, I, we were doing some some research on this, and uh, Texas has 189 players in the NFL, which is the most. Mm-hmm. But Louisiana has 68 NFL players. And look is, how small we are. And but they that's have what the most. To. That's what we get new. Listen. Louisiana has the most NFL players in the NFL per capita. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> yeah. That kind of shut. That kind of shuts it down. Yeah. That kind of shuts if it y'all down. can't see, I'm banging my chest. <laughs> But I know, like, stop playing, man. I told you, you guys we got were, ball players. You guys were both really good high school. <laughs> we got ball players. I see, hey, I see it in your face. You were just, you were just let yeah, down. Yeah, straight. Man. All right, so, okay, hold on. So another trivia question for the both of you: Between Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, on the Vikings, which state produces the most Vikings players currently on the roster? Texas, I'll Louisiana. Say Florida. I would say Florida too. Florida. Florida. Florida has 10 players on the Dang. team. On the team. Uh, Seven from Texas, five from Louisiana, 10 from Florida. Yeah, I know. Uh, 22, I know 22 players from three states. God, none from South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got our PR guy, Sam Newton. If yeah. If we want to count him. But we're talking about football. We got to finish this conversation after the break. So, Vikings fans, stay tuned. We got more with D.D. Westbrook and Justin Jefferson coming up. We'll be right back with more from Justin Jefferson and D.B. Westbrook on The Audible, presented by Verizon. All right, welcome back inside the TCO studios for another edition of The Audible. Gabe Henderson here alongside Ben Lieber, D.D. Westbrook, Justin Jefferson. Fellas, thank you for joining us again. Both of you guys coming out of high school were three-star recruits. Uh, D.D., you took the JUCO route. J.J., LSU was your only offer. Had to work your way up. Similar journeys, but different routes to get there. Could, DG, could, could you just talk about your journey going to Blaine College, getting here, when you realized this was actually a possibility? I'm the only player from my whole town to, you know, go to, like, obviously play professional anything. You know, it was a population of 5,000 people in my town. So I told JJ that I'm having a camp, you know, this mm-hmm. offseason. I wanted him to pull up. He was like, Cameron. I don't know if I can go there, man. <laughs> I was like, all you want to do is have fun. I'm going to teach him to ride some damn horses if you come. But, uh, yeah, so like I said, it's a small town. So uh, when I go back home, it's kind of like a parade, you know what I mean? Because uh, I'm the first player to ever go and do something like that. But when I went to JUCO my freshman year, uh, I was uh, All-American my freshman year. And I quit. Like, towards December, it was like finals time. And I quit. You know, I had three kids at the time. And... Uh, the mother of my kids is just like, Didi, like you get to go off and live your dream as far as playing football, and I got to stay home and take care of the kids. So I was like, well, I quit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I quit ball, went home, started taking care of the kids, and then I like realized like something clicked, and I was just like, this ain't going to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like me sitting here working a nine-to-five job, I got three kids, like... Yeah, this, you know, like, like this ain't gonna do it. And so I just asked her to understand. And so she she kind of did. She was just like, I'll do it. I'll take it from here, you know. And then I went back to school uh, and they used that year that I pretty much went home. They used it as a red shirt and went back and became an All-American again. And that's when I ended up getting the offers, you know, and then going to you. Mentally, that had to be a like tough. Yeah, like, it's kind of scary because you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like whenever you go on that JUCO route, it's like, yeah, you're here, you're getting the chance to play ball, but it's not 
no disrespect because that was what made me, but that's not like real, mm-hmm. you know, football. Like I had to bring my own cleats. I had to bring, like the only thing that I didn't have to bring was like a jersey. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess as a father of three, I know it clicked when you got home. It's called three kids. Yeah. Like, Facts. That's what, <laughs> Facts. Facts. <laughs> that realization of like, Bad damn, man. I got three kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, they don't, they don't ever leave. Like, <laughs> hey, what y'all doing? Y'all good? I'm about to go upstairs. We following you too. Yeah, let, let me just go do this football thing again. Let me go try. Get away I, by myself I some totally time. Get it. I totally get it. If LSU didn't, because LSU came around late, right? Yeah. Did you ever consider the JUCO route or uh, was that ever an option? Well, crazy. Um, JUCO was about to be my consideration. Um, very close. Um, I had my senior year, I had to make like certain grades and stuff. I think my like freshman year, sophomore year, I didn't have like the best of grades being a kid, uh, not taking it seriously. Uh, So it came, you know, came up on me in the back end. So I had to make certain grades my senior year. I had to go to summer school after my senior year to make uh, make up some classes. Um, And like at first they didn't qualify me. I, I was not qualified. I couldn't go to no D1. I had to think about JUCO. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I started crying my eyes out. Uh, like, cause me and my, my brothers went to LSU. Yeah. I, I would be the only one not to go to a D1 school if, you know, not even just LSU. So I remember me crying in my room, not knowing what to do, not knowing what school I'm gonna be able to go to. Even just holding that that reputation of like, you the only one and not, not to go to a D1 out of you and your brothers. Like uh, you, both, both of your brothers went to LSU and you went to JUCO, so uh, I mean that was that was a crazy time in, in my my life and that's kind of what snapped snapped up everything. Uh, and then like later on, like like a couple weeks later, uh, they had called back and was like, we got some things mixed up. You qualify, you can. Mm. That's a blessing. Blessing, yeah. bro. Blessing. Blessing. So, because I can probably understand coach, the right, pressure. Like right. with your mom and dad. We like, what we gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> what we gonna do? We gotta find a new JUCO. <laughs> like, we gotta find a JUCO school for you to go to. We gotta figure out That's everything. Real. That's real. It was like, look, you qualify, you good to go. And then Coach O gave me the offer. I went up, went up probably like two, three weeks later. Signed immediately. Signed immediately. <laughs> didn't, even think, didn't even think about it. You could have said later on, anything. Later like, yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> this is just a joke that we're playing on you. When, when you guys got on campus and you guys started going through the practices and you're really at that level and like you settle in, did you immediately know that you guys could play at that level or did it take some time or was there a moment where like, of that self-doubt that finally like evaporated. It's like, man, I can do this. Like, I can play with the big boys. Uh, I mean, I, I was self-doubted. Uh, my freshman year, I came in at 175, small. Hey, don't say it like that. I was 175. I'm 175. <laughs> you small. <laughs> Don't say it like that. You trying to say it like I'm itty bitty or something. <laughs> but I, I came in at 175. I mean, not a typical D1 LSU receiver, uh, if you think about all the receivers that pass through. So, I mean, I was like, man, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm probably not gonna play that much. I don't know if I'm gonna get bigger. I don't know if I'm gonna get taller. So freshman year, it was, it was like, man, I don't even know why I'm even traveling. 
DJ Chark, DJ Chark, Russell Gage. It was like, look, bro, just stay your course. You know, just just wait your turn. Just you know, learn everything we need from us, and you you will be good. Sophomore year, got bigger, got stronger, faster, uh, and that was my first time starting. And I, I mean, I had a pretty good year that year. <laughs> <laughs> Junior year went off. Well, uh, mine was a little different because you know, whenever schools recruit you from the JUCO route, they expect you to come in and play right away. And uh, from JUCO, like I said, I'm from a small high school, so I probably played in front of maybe 2,500 people. Then going over to my JUCO, and it's probably like 20 people in the stands. Then you go into the University of Oklahoma, and there's 90-something thousand people in the stands. And my first game was uh, Tennessee. We played mm. Tennessee Volunteers in Tennessee. Oh, right, so uh, <laughs> Sterling was like my, my guy that kind of kept me like level-headed. He was like, Didi, man, like you've been playing this game since you was a kid. You know, uh, everything's gonna be fine, bro. Just calm down and catch the ball. So I'm throwing up before the game or whatnot. You were that nervous? Man, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. I'm throwing up before the game, but I ended up like making it through, right? And then it's a crazy story because obviously Sterling went to play for the Giants, and then I called him before the game, and I was like, "Hey, what's up, bro? Like you straight?" Like, and he was just telling, he was like, "Man, I just threw up, bro." And I was like, "Now you see how the hell I felt <laughs> whenever I was throwing up." You know what I'm saying? So it came, it turned around to be a funny joke, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would kind of stepped in and had to play right away, so. One thing that y'all both got in common is the story of getting to where you are right now with the Minnesota Vikings going to last week. Didi, you got the big pump return that gets us all the way down the field. JJ, you got 143 receiving yards, Crazy. two two big time performances against the Chargers last Sunday, and now we get to do it all over again. When you, when you look at the story that got us up to this point, have you guys been on the same team, understanding the playmakers that both of you guys can be, how rewarding is that? We we got some talent, and uh, I mean, just having him at punt return, getting us some yards, getting us some momentum, uh, going out there on the field, uh, that makes us even more pumped out when we when we get on the field. So, um, I mean, it, it's good to see all the playmakers everywhere. Uh, I just feel everybody's special in their own way. You know what I mean? And uh, like I said, uh, it's just an opportunity for everybody to go out there and showcase their skill set and how great that they are and how great they can be. And like I said, being at punt return. It, to me, I feel like I'm the quarterback of that unit. You know what I mean? Like when that ball is kicked, like to other people, it may not seem like a big deal, but for me, it's like I take pride in it, obviously, because nobody really see you catch the ball, but as soon as you fumble it or mm -hmm. something bad happen, you the worst person in the world. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? For so sure. like, that's why I take pride in it. And it pretty much put the team in the best position to go out there and win football games. Obviously, it wasn't perfect, right? No game is ever, ever perfect. I mean, we all know they got cut down on penalties and all that stuff. Can't, mm -hmm. can't be behind the sticks on offense and all the other stuff. But it was a three-phase game. You know, you guys in the return game, you guys balled out. Coverage units, balled out. Mm -hmm. Two know? weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, you know, with, with Kenei in, in, in Baltimore. You get the big punt return uh, <clears throat> this last yeah. game. To me, it was like, man, that's the way winning football should look like. Right. It doesn't always have to come down to you, right. Justin, you guys on offense, or the defense and, and Kendricks and Bynum and whatever making plays. Right. It's a three-phase thing, yeah, man. Right. It's, yeah. it, it's almost like you boil down. It's just that easy. Just win three phases and you're good to go. But we're going to need that on Sunday, right? Against oh, the for, sure. Packers. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. this is the biggest rivalry to this fan base. I know, like you guys are understanding a lot. JJ, you played in it twice. You played the Packers before in your career, before, right? No, you, I haven't. You never played the Packers. No, this is my first time. Oh, bro, get ready. Like this, <laughs> it's about to be crazy on Sunday. Like yeah. this is. I mean, we got mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I, we didn't even have any uh, fans last year, and it was still like crazy. Just the like, you no know, social media, right. you, you know, just 
you can feel the tension. So that so the Cowboy game just recently and how loud that stadium was that night, mm-hmm. it'll be even louder than that. And it was loud. My favorite thing is that doom, doom, score. That is dope. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like that's so because you know, different people got like their different chance, but it all stems mm-hmm. from, yeah. from one thing. You know what I mean? Like you've heard it before. Yeah. You know, and it's like that is like something you've never heard before. Just we're the only team to do it. Doom, doom. Yeah. That's dope. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. Well, get ready because it's gonna be loud. Yeah, that's dope. I gotta ask you, JJ. This this Packers defense—they only gave up two 100-yard receivers. One of those receivers is your former college teammate, Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. How often do you go back and, and say, okay, if Jamar did this, <laughs> I definitely can do this against this team too? I do that all the time. <laughs> uh, I mean, no knock on Jamar, but uh, I feel like our skill set is similar. You know, mm-hmm. we both have that uh, edge to get open. We both have that edge to, you know, catch a ball and try to get out. So, uh, I mean, his releases, his you know, ways to go up and get the ball. I always watch that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, me and Jamar, we play the game together all yeah. the time. So we always chop it up about the different people he went up against. So, I mean, we definitely chop it up and I'll definitely be watching for sure. Knowing that, JJ, you're saying that even on social media, you can feel this game just sort of getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? How do you guys approach the big games? Like, how are you able to take those emotions, all those things that build up and keep them at bay and not get your adrenaline too high before the game and just you peak at the right time. At the point now, I don't even hear the fans. Like the only time you really hear them is when you're just standing on the sideline, not doing much of nothing. You know, third downs, obviously, when the opposing team is out there. But when you out there, it's like you kind of zero in to what it is that you're supposed to do. And so you, you really don't. Like it's easy to block out whenever you're out there. Uh, me personally, uh, I feel like I don't get the ball like that in my hands that often for me to really be nervous like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I just go out there and just keep playing with, playing my heart out. And I feel like not a lot of people can stay in front of me. And that's <laughs> just my mindset. So, I mean, what would I need to be nervous about? Yeah. So I just go, dog just, just go out there and make a play. <laughs> got that dog in and I, make I, a play. I know Keenan McCardell is big on that too. Uh, how, I mean, you came in in right. Jacksonville with him, DD. How, how instrumental has he been in you guys' development to this point? Uh, he's huge, man. Like when I said when I first came into the league, like obviously I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I've never had a receiver coach in my life. So it was kind of like, BD, just go do what you do, you know. And then he brought me in and pretty much taught me the fun- uh, fundamentals, uh, the things that I'm supposed to do, like how to come out of breaks, how to, you know, how to run a route. And then being around, obviously, JJ and Adam and seeing those guys who are all pro, you know, watching them and how they practice and their techniques. It's like you can always learn. You know what I mean? You, you're never too big or never too small to learn from the person that's next to you. When you guys look at this, at this game, what do you guys see from their defense? What makes them so good and how can you kind of take advantage of them? I mean, they're all athletes. And, I mean, we just have to execute our plays when it's called. And, uh, I mean, even the Chargers was, what, top three in passing. Uh, and we had a great day in passing. So uh, it's just all about executing the plays when it's called. And um, I feel like Clinton is going to call a great game. He's going to give us opportunities out there. And um, just got to go out there and execute them. We'll get you out of here with this because I feel like we can talk all day, but we got the producers and everybody <laughs> saying, okay, we got to wrap this up. We already paid the bills. You guys will win this Sunday if. I feel like if, just like I said, all three phases, uh, winning all three phases, um, us playing our, our heart out. And uh, I feel like if the fans bring that energy, mm. bring that momentum, uh, I feel like we always play good when that happens. So uh, as long as we all on the same page, all bringing that 
energy, we're going to be good to go. I feel like, like no disrespect to Green Bay, obviously, but I always think it's never really about the opposing team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if we go out there and we execute and we play fundamentally sound and play Vikings football, the football we all know how to play, I feel like there, there's not anybody that can compete with us. You know what I mean? Like, cause at the end of the day, it's all about us. You know what I mean? Like we choose if we want to start behind the sticks or not. Right. We choose, you know what I'm saying? Our faith, you know what I mean? So like I said, if we all just come together and play Viking football, then we'll be just fine. I'm ready to run through a wall. So Vikings fans, stay tuned to Vikings.com for the most up-to-date coverage of the team. For Didi, for JJ, Ben Lieber, my name is Gabe Henderson. Start a new tradition and support your community by volunteering and ringing bells at a Salvation Army Kettle location near you. Register to ring at SalvationArmyNorth.org. Well, border battle number 122 is about to commence, and this is the last episode of The Audible presented by Verizon before we get to that game. And Ben, uh, we just had JJ and Didi Westbrook on, those guys, just hilarious. Um, we're gonna need both of those guys to have a big game on Sunday, especially since this Green Bay Packers team know it's a rivalry game also. They understand how big this, this game is. And not only is it for them, obviously, they, they wanna hold that top spot. You know, They wanna get that top spot and get that bye. This is one of those games to like go out and improve that we truly are better than what our record says. Everybody around the league that's watched the Vikings play, they're all saying, man, you look at this team on paper, you watch them play, this is a better team than what their record mm -hmm. indicates. And we would love to keep saying that. It just, it, it sort of flies out the window sometimes when you're watching the games and they actually play on Sunday and well, you lose to Baltimore. You're like, <laughs> yeah. well, how, how do we, we can't keep saying that we're a good team and then lose games like that. So this game for me is one of those prove it games. They're like, all right, go out and prove it. I think they're going to go out there and do it. When you, when you look at just what the Vikings have done to Aaron Rodgers or just this rivalry in particular, why would you tell Vikings fans this Minnesota Vikings team has an edge over Aaron Rodgers? Because I think the way that Aaron Rodgers has historically, you know, he did this, what, a couple years ago, you know, came over to Mike Zimmer after the game, stopped him, yelled at him, you know, met up after the game and said, um, hey, man, like, res respect, like 100% respect what you do on defense. And I don't think that he does that. I don't think he throws that around lightly. Hmm. You know, I don't think that he goes around to every head coach slash defensive coordinator that he plays and says, hey, man, mad props to you. I think that Mike Zimmer is in his head a little bit. He knows that when it's Viking week for him, he's got to be extra smart. He's got to be extra sharp. And he, he has to really understand what disguises are being thrown at him, what covers are being thrown at him, yeah. because Mike Zimmer is going to give him everything. <laughs> and he's going he's gonna to give him a lot to chew on. And if there's one thing that this year, and they're going back to their defense is leading the way, Rodgers has not played you know, the, the Rodgers-esque way that we've seen him play in the last few years. You know, he hasn't taken a lot of real big chances. You know, it's a lot of safe throws. It's a lot of quick throws. You know, he's not getting the ball down the field as accurately as he has in the past. Um, but the bottom line is, this is an Aaron Rodgers and an offense that is, that is susceptible. Mm -hmm. They're vulnerable. They're not quite as high-powered. And he's going to go against a defensive coordinator that he really, really respects. These weeks, right, where it's a divisional matchup, you've played this team X amount of years in your career. Let's say you've been here eight years. You've played the Packers at least 16 times. Mm -hmm. Playing a game this week versus a game last week in the Chargers where you will rarely play this team, does, does anything change as far as schemes? Because 
the Packers pretty much have an idea of everything that we want to do versus the Chargers who have to game plan a little bit more. So how does the creativity work when understanding that you're going to show this team plays that they've already seen before? Yeah, I actually think this favors the Packers a little bit more because Rodgers has seen Mike Zimmer numerous times. Mm -hmm. You know, we've only seen a LaFleur-led offense a handful of times. Right. So schematically, I think that we've thrown everything at Aaron Rodgers. The kitchen sink like, too. I, I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that, the, you know, Mike Zimmer is looking like, well, I haven't ran this against him. <laughs> like, no, I think that we've had enough big games with big implications that you've kind of thrown everything that you can mm -hmm. at him. So uh, now it's just going to be a, a, a matter of mixing it up. Yeah. You know, maybe throw something that you haven't, you haven't thrown at him for like, three years or four years, you know, <laughs> we've, been, we've been saving this. Yeah. We've been saving this, but only from the last couple of years. So um, I, I think that when you look at the matchup, it kind of benefits them a little bit more. Well, I think this is this matchup, this rivalry is the perfect example of the game doesn't change just the players yeah. and the player that's going to have to be game changing is Justin Jefferson. I'm sure Eric Stokes, the rookie cornerback from university of Georgia, he's going to be following him around the entire game. He's played Eric Stokes twice in his career. He's had a hundred yards against him twice in his career in college. I know that's not the NFL, but still some of those tendencies still show up on film when you've played a guy once and once before. And so JJ is my matchup to watch because we got this rookie receiver in the NFL named Jamar Chase. That was my teammate in college. He did damage against Eric Stokes. I got to do the same thing too. And I think that's, that's only going to make this offense better. Even though they're in different leagues now, they remember going against each other in college, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that's the, the fun thing about the position that you played in college and, and these cornerbacks, it's this one-on-one -on -one battle. You yeah. know, it's very personal. Yeah. You know, you're studying one guy, maybe two guys during the course of the week, and your their mannerism, their body movements, you get to know them as like off the field. And mm -hmm. and so like they remember that. Yep. They remember that, even though even though it's been a couple of years. So my uh, my position to watch and my player to watch is Kenny Clark for them. Okay. He is an outstanding defensive tackle and and I think that he's probably the most feared player for me personally just because he can wreck so much havoc mm -hmm. on the on the in the trenches and on the line so that that matchup that internal pressure that disruptor right there over the ball that's the matchup I'm watching mm -hmm. I feel like if we can win that matchup or at least get you know double teams to him up to the backer uh, Dalvin will have a day I think the player who I think is going to have a big game on Sunday is Harrison Smith. And I say that because he's missed the last two games. Mm -hmm. He has this new energy, this new appreciation about the game of football that not many people are going to be expecting. And I feel like he's going to be put in situations that he's going to be able to be himself. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to see a little bit more of Cam Bynum. I know Cam Bynum's had two good games last week, but I would like to see a three safety system similar to what we saw uh, against the Dallas Cowboys where Cam Bynum is back at safety and then Harrison Smith is up at the line of scrimmage baiting Aaron Rodgers to, you know, make a bad play. And, you know, this Cowboys game when they both all three of those guys were in, Harrison Smith blitzed every single time. Mm. Now that's on film. So what the what the Green Bay Packers are thinking right now is, okay, well, every time they go three safeties, Harrison Smith is going to blitz. Mm -hmm. RPO should be open. Slant should be open behind him. Harrison Smith, I think he will have a big day. Act like he's blitzing, disguise some of those blitzings, get, get a pick, maybe have a pick six, but just have a big day overall. The player that I'm looking at is could be right next to Harrison Smith in the box, and that's Eric Kendricks. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the hot hand. You okay. know, he's he's you know really elevated his play, and um, he just 
continually does all the right things. You know, he's involved in the run game. He's making a ton of stops. He's playing well in space. And we see what he's doing in the passing game. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of overlay, overlay that over what, what the Packers do on offense. And it's a lot of quick game. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of slants. There are a lot of opportunities for, for tackles. I think he's going to have double-digit tackles, which, you know, is kind of the, the expected norm out of him these days. But because there's going to be so many opportunities for some of these quick throws that I do think with our disguise package and the way that Harrison's going to move around, the way that Kendricks likes to move around, um, he's, going to, he's going to catch one as well. Yeah. He, they're going to catch them slipping, thinking that we're going to be blitzing or something like that. There's going to be an open window, and he's going to take one of those phenomenal pass drops back mm-hmm. and, and, and affect the play. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that he's going to have an interception. It'd be awesome if he did. But I think he's going to affect a number of throws in this game. And he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to be running around sideline to sideline making tackles. Well, I think if that's the case, Vikings fans will be screaming and cheering loudly, especially on third downs. And that's all I got for these guys today. Ben, always a pleasure talking to you. Probably won't talk to you before Thanksgiving, but I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful we got this show together and thankful we get to do this another week, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, as long as they don't fire us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Vikings fans, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Audible presented by Verizon. Thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the Audible. The Audible is presented by Verizon. With 5G built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality.